this morning, I've given a lot of thought about like, okay, what do we want to do this morning? I just thought I would take time to share my story, our story of awakening, how we got started. Uh, and some of you, you've heard this before, and it's going to be kind of like um, hearing your uncle retell that story over and over again. And so bear with me. And others, it's going to be brand new to you. But this is our history. This is where we started from. And also then it, it launches us up to where we're headed. Uh, and when we started Awakening, I just kind of give you a little context. I never wanted to plant a church. In fact, my wife said this, there's two things I don't ever want you to do. Plant a church, lead a church. <laughs> and to be honest, I thought, yeah, me neither. We were part of a church plan, and there's some really hard moments, so we had a foul taste about that, and I've seen what it takes to lead a church, and I thought, no way. In fact, uh, a few years before we planted Awakening, I was approached by uh, my lead pastor at the time, and he asked me, hey, Ryan, I, I want you to plant a church. Would you pray about planting a church? I said, okay, and I'd pray, and um, really didn't pray that seriously. Uh, talked to Jenny and kind of thought about it, if you will, uh, and then came back to him and said, yeah, no, we're, we're not planting a church. That's cool. And then a year later, literally one year later, it's January 2011, and I wake up right at the beginning of the new year, and I just felt like our season, and uh, we had launched a ministry called Awakening. It was a college young adults ministry at this church called Westgate Church in town. Amazing. Got to watch it grow, 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 and see God do amazing stuff there, and everything's going great, and I wake up, and I kind of feel like, man, it's time to transition, and it was weird because everything is awesome. Church is great. Ministry's thriving. And I turn to Jenny and I go, you know, Jenny, I have this just weird feeling that like it's our time to transition from this place and everything's great. And she's like, you know what? I have the exact same feeling. By the way, by the way, if you're married, this is an important marriage lesson because I, I didn't do this. I'm 15 years married this December, didn't do this well at the beginning. You always make major decisions in terms of we, never me. Major decisions in terms of we. We're, we are moving together, never just I'm going to force my way through it. And so we're like, okay, well, what is next? And so we began to pray. And we're excited. You know that like anticipation of something's next and you're really excited? So we began to pray and pray prayers, big prayers like, God, whatever you show us, we'll do. Like, okay. And so we prayed. And one month goes by. Nothing. Two months go by. Nothing. Three months go by. And now I'm getting frustrated. Because I'm going like, okay, man, we, we're excited. We're kind of teed up. We're ready to go. But literally hearing nothing. In fact, I'm trying to figure it out on my own. I'm just trying to throw stuff on the wall and see if it sticks. Trying to pitch ideas of like, maybe we could do this with awakening or whatnot. And, but it wasn't, it, nothing of it like anchored in our soul of this is what we're called to do. Six months in. And so we moved from January 2011 to June of 2011. I hear, like, I just had this time, I was spending time with God, and I had this prompting, just this feeling, the sense, like, I get nervous when pastors talk about, I heard from God. It wasn't, Ryan, you know, it was, <laughs> that's not how it works, with me at least. Uh, I just had this clear sense from God that I needed to tell my boss, who was Steve Clifford, mentor, friend, known him since I was two, that it was time to transition from Westgate. 
Now, I hadn't been searching for a new job. I had three kids at the time, and I'm arguing with God. I don't know if you ever had this experience where you argue with God, going like, God, that's a really, really bad plan. You had some really good ones in the Old Testament. I mean, there are some pretty cool ones. This one's a bad plan. In fact, we joked in our house that we were going to be homeless by Christmas because we had no idea what was going to happen, but felt like, okay, um, I'm supposed to tell Steve it's time to transition, but I don't know transition to what. God, tell me what's next. And he said, no, no, just go and tell him that it's time to transition. I'm like, big gulp. And I was wrestling with this. In fact, I, I, I read an entire book for one 30-minute meeting. If, if you're in a transition space, this book's incredible. Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud. Great book. Read that entire book for this meeting. And then I go to Steve, and I sit down, and I say, Steve, here's the deal. I'm not clear on three things. Our season at Westgate is done. Whatever next, I'm called to lead it. And it needs to be about reaching this generation. And he's a good Texan. And he said, well, shoot. Why don't you plan awakening as a church? And what's so fascinating is a year or two years prior, we would have never, ever been open to it. And yet God took us on this nine-month process. You know what it felt like? It felt like, uh, if any of you know the story of Abraham, of when God was calling Abraham, uh, and when God called Abraham, he's the, you know, the father of the Israelite nation, he's the father of faith for us, and uh, in Genesis 12, 1, it says this, that the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and then it says this, go to the land I will, help me out, if you can read it, show you. That's so problematic, isn't it? He says, go to the land, I will show you. See, God said, next slide, go, next slide, thank you, there we go, go and I will show you. Now, here's the problem. The problem is this is the way we want it. The problem is we want God to show us and then we'll go. That's how we operate in life. We want God to show us and say, God, hey, you show me and then I'll take the next step. You show me who I'm supposed to marry. You show me the direction of my life. You show me all of that and then I'll go. And God's plan is saying, no, 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 you go and then I'll show you. And here's why. God often only shows us the very next step. And could it be? Could it be that for some here, that you have been waiting on God to show you, and in fact, God has been waiting on you to take the next step he's already shown you? That you've been waiting on God, and maybe it's the area of your marriage. Maybe it's in the area of your future. Maybe it's with that relationship or that friendship. And you're going, when you finally paint the full picture, then I will take the next step. And here's what I got news for you. We had no idea what was going to happen in that moment. I sat in that moment with Steve Clifford, and I had no idea whether he was just going to fire me right there, whether we're going to be homeless by Christmas. I said, just take the next step. And so that's what we did. We were finally open to planting 
a church. And so what they do for like church planters or church startups, I like church startup better. We're in Silicon Valley. This, is a, this was a church startup. Not a, nobody knows, knows a planter. Like, what is this? A, we're going to put this in a pot or something like that? I don't know. Uh, but the church startup, what do they do is they send you to this assessment. And it was a five-day assessment. It was actually in Florida, and we need to be praying for those in Florida. Uh, and it was five days in Florida. It was intensive. You did this battery exams. You had a, two clinical psychologists, 22 assessors. Uh, it was intensive. And we're showing up to this, not really sure what we're called to do. And we're wrestling. And so on the plane, we're, we're just talking about, okay, God, would you really show us the next step? If we're called to plant a church, would you make it incredibly obvious? And if we're not, would you shut the door? And so we show up to this thing, and there's a number of other church planters, and they're all, like, really into church planting, church startups, like, really into it. Like, they had their own brochures. They're all, like, high extroverts, like, oh, hey, hey, man, how are you? Okay, yeah, no, 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 good, 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 you know, like the high eyes on the disc, you know, and I'm a high D, I'll sit in the corner by myself, and if food, that's my safety zone in a party, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, serious, man, I, I'm way more introverted, uh, get refreshed when I'm just at home, and so I'm looking at, if that's what it means to be a, a church planner, I'm not that. That is not what, you know, is going to happen. And so I'm looking at this and they all came ready. I didn't even, I didn't even know we're supposed to like preach a sermon there. And so they had like PowerPoint and notes and I'm scribbling down things in my moleskin just to try to get up and preach something. And we're so incredibly honest, like brutally honest. So much so that it was Thursday night on Friday morning, we'd sit down with the assessors, 22 assessors. They had to come to a unanimous decision on every single church planting couple. It was either yes, no, or not yet. You're not yet ready. And if they weren't unanimous on that, then they would stop. They would pray for a half hour, then come back and talk about every... I mean, they were up all night doing this for every single uh, 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 church planter being assessed. Now, this... We, Thursday night, I remember we're like, you know what, let's get a nice dinner because we may not be able to afford one after this. <laughs> so we went out, I got a steak, I thought it might be my last steak for a number of years. And we're talking about, in all honesty, what are we going to do now? Because we still have no plan if this isn't the plan. What's going to happen? We're going to fly back. And again, I, I'm not even joking. I seriously thought we'd be homeless by Christmas. I'm going to have three kids. We're going to be living, living out of our car. I know I'm a little bit extreme, but that's just the way my mind goes. So we get some sleep that night. We go in. These two assessors sit us down. And they said this, and it was so powerful. They said, we believe that you're called to plant a church, and that you'll be highly effective at it, and you're called to do so now. That moment was so weighty for us. Both my wife and I were bawling. Now, I am the crier of the family. So, but that she was crying, man, this is serious. I mean, we, I, I'm snot coming down my nose. It just was ugly. <laughs> it was the same at my wedding, too, man. I mean, I just was a mess. It just was running. But I mean, it was that moment, and this is what's so powerful. 
When someone else saw in us what we couldn't see in ourselves, when someone else looked at us and saw something in us, drew something out of us that we couldn't see in ourselves, it had the weight of, I don't know if you remember in, in the book of Acts when they're sending out like Paul and Barnabas and, and the elders gathered around to send them out and pray over them. It had that kind of weight to it. And this is so powerful for us as a community. See, because here's what happens. What is obvious to others, we often overlook in ourselves. What is obvious to others? Like, when they look at you, they go, you're so gifted at that. You're so amazing at that. We often overlook in ourselves. We often dismiss it or diminish it because it comes so naturally to us. We go, it's not that big of a deal. And yet, it is the very thing that God wants to use in your life and my life for great good. The things that come so naturally, so easy. What is so obvious to others, they go, I can't believe you're so gracious. You're so organized. You're so welcoming. You're, you're incredible with kids. No, 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 it's not that big of a deal. Never diminish the work of God in you. Never diminish the work of God in you. Never dismiss the gift he's given you, what comes naturally to you. Lean, lean into it. And imagine, imagine if we were a community that spoke the obvious good into others' lives. Just imagine if it just wasn't a moment, but we don't often say it to others. And the reason why is because we think they already see it in themselves. We think they already know it and recognize it, and so it goes assumed, and we never say, wow, you're amazing at that. Wow, you're so gifted at that. When you do that, it lights up the room. Imagine what would change here just in our dynamic here at Awakening if we were a community that spoke the obvious good into others' people. If we just spoke to others what we saw into them, the wind that would blow into their cells, the life that would bring to them, that we would become that type of community. And so from that meeting with those church planter assessors, we flew back and Jenny and I looked at ourselves, and honestly, I think Jenny, she had, she had way more faith than me. She's like, all right, let's do this. No, we're, we're called to do this. And I was like, you sure? Because here's the deal. I was afraid. I was afraid of failing. I was afraid of disappointing others, desperately insecure. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what if I can't? What if I'm not enough? What if nobody shows up? And so we started taking this ministry that we had started and beginning to launch it as a church. In September 2012, we launched Awakening Church five years ago this weekend in that theater on Sunday evenings. We had two Sunday evening services, a 5 p.m. and a 7 p.m. service. It was so exciting. It was so fun. Um, we had no idea what we're doing. I mean, it, it, we had one truck. Now we have two trucks. That's when you know you graduated in life. You, you're up to two big box trucks for your stuff. But we didn't even know how to pack stuff. It just was everything was randomly thrown in there. And I'm like, this is going to be a mess next week. This is awful. Um, and we just, we had the first meeting in there. And it was incredibly exciting. And we were like, okay, we're doing this. 
And for those who know, even like two months in, we had Bob Goff come preach at our church, which is like, man, if you've never read his book, Love Does, that's amazing. But like that he would come. And the first year was a year of adventure as we're just learning and discovering and trying to figure out how to do life and church. And then year two came. And at first, if year one was adventure, year two was storm. You see, because when you start out with those fears, and when you lead from insecurity, and that's what I was doing, it then begins to unravel. And man, did we hit some storms. And I mean, I I just got to be honest, I made some bad leadership mistakes, communicated poorly, made some big changes. We also looked around and saw that we had a Sunday evening service with a bunch of college students, but we weren't growing in the rest of the demographic of the church. And we're like, we won't reach this generation if we don't make a change. And so we shifted to Sunday morning only for a season, which by the way, next week we're launching Sunday night back again for those. Yeah, I'm excited. Apparently, three of us are as well. That's awesome. You three and me, we'll be together. But, but in one season, I don't know if you've ever had one of those stormy seasons, and we've had that personally, we've had that in the life of our kids. This was the hardest season. Year two of the church was the hardest ministry season of my life. I mean, we, we stopped our evening services, and we saw like tons and tons of people leave, and that really hurt. It's really hard. Had close friends and teammates go, hey, you know what? They're on our staff, and they went on to another staff. Felt betrayed by a close mentor and friend. The summer, I think it was the summer of 2014 at the end, I wasn't sure if this was going to work. We're two years in, and it seemed like it just was going to fail. I didn't know if we could do it any longer. It took an incredible toll on uh, our marriage. I mean, just the first two years, you just got to know everything happened in our house. So every staff meeting, our garage was storage. Our neighbors thought we were moving all the time because we would have our box trucks in our front yard to organize. And they're like, oh no, you're not moving. Thankfully, they were sad if we were moving. I'm very thankful about that. And we showed up. And that summer, we were on E. The church felt like we were limping. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you just feel like you can't go on anymore. Where you're tired. Jenny and I were talking about this uh, this week, last week, as we were on a car drive. And, you know, she had made this comment. She's like, yeah, you're like, we're doing this to ourselves. We made this decision. You know, why are we still doing this? It's so hard. And then you have the conversations with God of like, God, you called us into this. What's going on? We started with this dream and now it looks like a disaster. It was, it was so painful. I remember one time I was running up a hill and it was one of those steep inclines that... For me, for some of you, it'd be like, it's pretty flat. But for me, it was steep. It was like this, it was sheer. It was, it was uh, and I can run up that. Uh, it was just one of those never-ending hills. And I don't know if you've ever had this, where you just kind of argue with God. You just yell at God. Where you just go, and I was. Thankfully, it was in the middle of nowhere, so nobody could hear me. But I'm like yelling at God. I'm like, God, this sucks. 
I stepped out to see you do something that you called me into, and this is lame. I'm hating this right now. And this hill is exactly how it feels. I feel like I'm running up, but I'm not getting to the top. It's just one arduous climb the whole way. And it felt like we'd never get to the top. And then the words of a a professor came to mind. Don't question in the darkness what God has clearly shown you in the light. And Jesus in Mark chapter 4 was taking his disciples to the other side. He said to them, let us go uh, other side of Galilee. Sorry, he's going to get on a boat to the other side. He's going to go on Lake Galilee. Uh, and he said, let us go to the other side. Now, what's so fascinating about that story is he didn't say there will not be any storms. He didn't say this is going to be smooth sailing. What he did say is we'll get to the other side. And that the promise is we will make it to the other side, but you may experience some storms in the process. And here's something that most of you probably haven't heard. During that summer, when it was the hardest season, I had two job offers. Both were to be a teaching pastor at larger churches that had buildings. (laughs) Isn't it easy to always look that the grass is greener on the other side and that, you know, somehow um, that will solve all the problems. And, And I just remember Prof. Hendrick's words, don't question in the darkness what God has clearly shown you in the light. And so in that moment, I said, God, you got us into this. I'm going to trust you to see us through it. God, you got us into this. And so I'm going to trust you that you're going to see us through it. You called us, and we're not stopping until you call us somewhere else, not just because it's convenient or easier. That September, we celebrated our birthday, and then we started teaching. And we're teaching that passage uh, about Jesus crossing the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. And if you know the story in Mark chapter 4, Jesus actually falls asleep at the bow of the boat. And a great squall, a big storm comes up. And you got seasoned fishermen that have, um, man, they have just done their work to keep the boat afloat. They know what they're doing. And they're terrified out of their mind, thinking this is it. They wake up Jesus saying, don't you care? I think that's how we feel so much in the storms of our life, isn't it? God, don't you care? Where are you? Now, I've preached this sermon, this passage, many times before. This time, I saw something in it that I'd never seen before, that God used to change my perspective, to change my prayer life. At the end, I notice this passage. Notice what it says. It says that they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So Jesus, they wake him up. They say, don't you care? And then it says, don't you have any faith? I already said, let us go to the other side. You're making it with me. I didn't promise the absence of storm. And then he says, peace. And the waves stop. Now, here's what I noticed. They were terrified 
and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, here's what I saw, what I noticed that I never saw before. The disciples didn't wake Jesus up to calm the storm. Because they wouldn't have been terrified and shocked that the wind and waves obeyed him. You know what the disciples woke Jesus up? They had 12 guys in the boat belling water. We've got one guy asleep. We need an extra hand. Jesus, come on. Don't you care? Get in here. Don't you see us working? Come bell water with us. And all of a sudden it hit me. Where have I been asking Jesus to bell water when he wants to calm storms? Like I come to the God who is able, the God who calms storms, and so often I think so small. And it changed my prayer life. Because I was just thinking about surviving. Just thinking about, are we going to make it through? And all of a sudden I began to pray big prayers. God, the dreams that you placed on my heart when we started this, I long for you to finish this. We had done everything in our house, and we needed office space. So I began to pray really specific prayers for office space. God, I want office space that's cheap in the Silicon Valley. Thank you very much. Where we can park our trucks in the Silicon Valley, where we can have office space and a meeting space because we're using all the homes that, you know, would open up their house to us to meet in as well. And so we kind of taxed everybody's home. And then God opens up a place to dwell. It's a mile from here. We park both our trucks there. We have one side that has our office space, the other side that has a great meeting area. Now, I forgot to pray about one thing, and that was furniture. we like, okay, we got the space. How are we going to fill it? The day we got that space, I get a phone call from a guy who's new to our church at that point, and he says, hey, Ryan, I'm like, hi, how'd you get this number? No, I, I said... <laughs> I don't know if you could use this, but I'm closing down my office in San Francisco. Do you happen to need some office furniture? Well, as a matter of fact, just today, I got offices, but I don't have any office furniture. He said, great, if you just go up and pick it up, you can have it free. So me, Josh, and a guy named Marshall, we traveled up in a 26-foot truck. That's a whole other story for another day to San Francisco. Um, Now, here's what's really amazing. If you go into our office and you see the furniture, it looks like we bought it for that room. I'm like, God showed up. And I'm looking at our finances. I'm like, okay. I mean, we started out with college. I'm like, how are we going to do this? We're behind. I began to pray. I'm like, God, God, how are we going to, like, stay open? How are we going to keep our doors open? How are we going to provide for our family? And just began to pray, okay, no, no, I don't want to pray, just provide. God, would you open the door of abundance so that we can awaken this generation to new life? Would you so resource us that we can unleash extravagant generosity to a hurting and broken world? That, that it's not just like somehow we eke by. Get a phone call. Hey, could I, uh, could I drop off uh, a check for you? Sure. Now, to be fair, I'd never had this happen in the history of our church. Someone called and wanted to drop off a check. And I thought, like, well, that's probably a good sign. <laughs> drop off the check. 
I'm thinking like, man, if 10 grand, that would be amazing. That would just be like mind blown. Couldn't imagine anyone giving that amount of dollars. On the check, $66,000. And by the way, moving forward, that's not even the largest single gift of our church since then. See, where, just a, just a little bit for you, where have you been thinking about belling waters and asking God, hey, I just need you to bell this. I just need this little thing. When he wants to calm the storms of your life, where you just begin to pray and go, okay, God, what would it look like? I mean, we've just watched God do this over and over. And so I began to get, pray, God, would you build a kingdom dream team that would awaken this generation to new life? That would you raise up incredible people within our church that would be pillars? And I just watched him bring the right people at the right time over and over and over again. Here's why. Because now, next slide. There we go. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. When you come and when we gather as we celebrate year five, man, I've watched the God who is able. When we started out with nothing, we hit the rocky seasons. This is the funnest I've ever had in ministry. It is so exciting to watch what he's doing, how God's growing. And each year God's grown us. By the way, our summer was bigger than our fall last year. Our summer, when all our students are gone. Last weekend alone, we saw two people. We, this is, I was just given the vision awakening. Two people give their life to Christ. One person wants to get baptized girl who's getting baptized today, I get an email on Thursday. And, it's, uh, and I just want to say hello to those in Arizona watching uh, as they're, they're watching our services right now. But email, I've been praying for this girl specific things for so long that she would come to know Jesus. And the, sp the specificity of what I prayed was answered by someone meeting her at college, inviting her, came to Awakening, came to know Jesus, and now today getting baptized. And there's a whole crew in Arizona watching our service right now because guess what? Awakening is an answer to her prayer. Isn't that amazing? And so here's what I learned as we close the last five years, as I've just thought about it. What I've learned in the last five years is to enjoy the view, you have to climb the mountain. To enjoy the view, you have to climb the mountain. There's no shortcuts. There's no easy way out. Struggle is part of the process, part of God's character formation. There will be storms. Now, we have not arrived at the top of the mountain. We are just a, at a vista on the way, and I cannot wait to see what God has for us. But we, this view, like I said at the beginning, is breathtaking. It is incredibly encouraging. And I started out, I never wanted to plant a church, and I could never dream 
of doing anything different now. And I never want to miss out on the stories and the lives that God has brought and done here. And so, for some this morning, for some, you're in a season Whereas you need to take that step. You've been waiting for God to show you the full picture and you already have the next step. And I'd invite you, what is that courageous step that you need to take? For others, you're in the middle of a storm and you're wanting to get out. And instead you go, okay, I'm not going to question what you have clearly shown me in the light, even though it's dark and stormy. And I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean in to you. Five years, God has been faithful. He's done way more than what we could ask or imagine. I can't wait until we celebrate 10 years. We're going to... Trust me, there will be storms. There will be times when we're climbing up the hill and it feels like we can't get there. And yet our God is still faithful. And we'll gather again like this unless he returns. And we'll just simply tell the stories of how he blew our mind and did what we could not imagine or fathom. God, thanks so much for this day. Thanks for our time. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that uh, this church has been such a blessing to our family. Thank you for all the people that you've gathered and the friends who have come to support and say, uh, just show their love. God, would you make us a community that leans into you, that trusts you for more, that actually believes you're able to do what you said you could do, and so we take courageous steps of faith for your name's sake, for this city's sake. In the name and the power of Jesus, amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up with us and we'll close with a song.